Amen. You remember what the choir sang? For you are glorious. Jesus, you're glorious. You remember that? He's he's marvelous. He's wonderful. Counselor. Mighty God. Everlasting Father. Prince of Peace. That's my Jesus. How about yours? Is that what you think a week after Easter? Do you remember last week? Do you remember last Sunday? It was a, a bright, sunny day. A little cool, you remember? Many people streamed in and out of this place. I, I guess you could call it a little bit like um, un, un, or, organized chaos, chaos, I guess, something like that. There was beautiful music. There was a beautiful atmosphere, a beautiful reason to be here. He is risen. That's pretty good. That's pretty good. Do you remember last week, last Sunday? For you are glorious, Jesus. All of that excitement was last week. How do you feel about Jesus today? You know, every Easter, I sense an extra excitement in the air. I don't know about you. I, I, I sense a, a greater anticipation about what's going to happen on Easter Sunday morning. Then next week comes, which is today, and we get back to normal. It's just back to normal. You know, there's, there's not as many people in the church. It was a whole lot easier to come in, especially the second service. It'll be a whole lot easier to come in the, the parking lot. And a lot more seats to choose from this morning in the first service than last week. Shorter music program. Longer sermon. And this year, we even, the week after Easter, carved out time to vote. I mean, you see, after Easter, things around here seem to get back to normal. But, but that's not the way it was for those first century followers of Christ. No, not by any means. Things never got back to normal for them. You see, for, for those first century followers of Christ, Easter changed everything for them. It changed everything forever for those people. Easter was the norm for them. The the anticipation, the, the excitement of Easter Sunday morning became their normal. That's the way it was. It was like the the, the pounding in their chest that we've been talking about. It was a daily occurrence after Easter. They simply couldn't get away from it. Can you? Can I? Here it is in a nutshell. Christ's followers were living their lives, minding their own business. Jesus walks up and says, come, follow me. And they did. They left everything to follow Jesus. There was something about Him when they first met Him that moved them to follow Him. I mean, with with all they had. I mean, they left everything. They followed Jesus for three 
unbelievable, miraculous years. They had front row seats for the whole thing. After three years, they were convinced that Jesus was the real deal. He is who he says he is. They had no question at the end of three years in their minds, Jesus was the real deal. They didn't understand what it all meant, but in their minds, after all they had seen, he's it. After all they had experienced, how could they think anything else? Yet in a span of time that literally took their breath away, Jesus was dead. Almost like that, Jesus was dead. The authorities, whatever that means, nailed Him to a cross and the life drained out of Him, drop by drop. He was dead. His body was getting cold in the grave. They were devastated. Their hopes, listen now, their hopes were gone. It was all a lie. They'd been wrong. They had been duped like no one had ever been duped in the history of humanity. They even knew where Jesus was buried. They knew that. They could go to the place where Jesus was buried on Saturday. That, 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 that Saturday burial, Friday night Saturday burial. See, it was over. And they found themselves cowering behind locked doors, contemplating their future. Their hopeless future. But then came Easter for them. They didn't expect it. They weren't looking for it. They were devastated. They they checked out. They weren't expecting Easter. I don't think, we, we talked about it a little bit last week, but I don't think we can really understand what was going through their minds on Easter Sunday morning before everything cut loose. They were devastated. But by the evening, Easter Sunday morning, by that evening, they all knew that Jesus was alive. They, they all knew it. He appeared to them. They talked to Him. They touched Him. They saw Him. He was alive. Jesus was alive. See, after all, after all that, it was true. You know that, that gut feeling they had when they were around Jesus? This, this feeling that He is it? It was actually true. It was powerfully true. For the past three years, they had been rubbing elbows with the Son of God. Easter confirmed that once and for all. And they never got over it, ever. Easter for them changed everything. Not just that day, but the rest of their lives. You see, they had seen it. With their own eyes. They had experienced it. Actually been there when it all happened. Something inside of them as a result moved them to long for Christ. 
I was there. I saw it. I, I long for Christ. And that longing was worth every minute. You see, they, they, they were there. They, they saw it with their own eyes. And Easter, Easter did this for them. They couldn't get away from it. See, wherever they would go, they would run into things that would remind them of what Jesus did for them on Easter. They would, they would be reminded that Jesus is the real deal. And He's my Lord. I mean, they would, they would walk around there, the, the area. And, and, and crucifixions were one of the, the favorite forms of capital punishment for the Romans. So, Jesus wasn't the last one ever crucified. They would be, be walking along and, and there's someone on the side of the road where a lot of people walk by for a deterrent. You know, there's someone hanging on a cross and they would remember, Jesus died for me. Because they saw it with their own eyes. This cross here, this, this cross that, that Jesus hung on was empty. He wasn't there. I mean, he, he, he had been there. He did die there. But it was a symbol that the cross did not hold him. They would be walking somewhere down the road in some community and there would be, be a graveyard over there. And there would be a tomb. Or, or they would go out of their way in Jerusalem to walk by the empty tomb. The empty tomb. This, this picture here is a picture of what many people think is the actual tomb where Jesus was buried. It is an empty tomb. It's called the garden tomb. It's, it's one of the two places that they think could have been. Thousands go here. Millions have seen it. And in that first century, because they, they actually saw it all happen, most of it with their own eyes, they would go out of their way sometimes. I mean, I would. And just go look, and it's it's empty. Jesus was in it. You see, there's so many things that would that they would walk by and they would experience that would just let it flood in all over again. Jesus is alive. Jesus conquered death, hell, and the grave. I know because I was there. In their hearts would almost literally pound out of their chest. It's true. I was there. You know, it became, it became a, a popular, if I can say it that way, greeting for Christians. And you know, during the persecuted times, they would say it quietly. But it became a popular greeting. They'd come up to, up to each other and say, He is risen. Persecution time. He's risen. And they would remember all over again. (laughs) It's true. He is alive. The Apostle Paul came around, came along a little later. I mean, he was there, but he wasn't involved yet. But he came along a little later. And in Philippians chapter 3, verse 10. Philippians chapter 3, verse 10. He expresses the longings of the faithful, transformed followers of Christ in the first century. He says, and you know if you read Philippians and you get to 
verse 10 in chapter 3, at least for me, I can feel the emotion in which Paul says this. He says, I want to know Christ. I want to know Christ. It was the cry that overflowed in their lives. It was something they did with, with every ounce of strength. I, I want to know Christ. They would think it. They would say it. They would live it with great emotion. You see, they, they, they were there. They, they saw it. It was true. I, I want to know Christ. That Christ that, that we were with for, for three years, they would think. That, that Christ that we, that we were around for three years, He was so kind. And I, I want to know Christ. That Christ who, who was closer than a brother to us when our families said, you're crazy. That Christ who understood, I mean, who really, really, really understood me. That Christ who was the real deal after all. I want to know Him. That Christ who was the Son of God, yet He knew my name and He cared about me. I want to know that Christ. And for Paul, that Christ that met me on the road to Damascus and transformed my life forever. I want to know that Christ. That Christ who makes my heart pound in my chest. I want to know Christ. They would think, they would think and say things like, I can't get enough of Him. I can't spend enough time with Him. I can't, I, I won't take one step without Him. They all said things like that. Listen to what Peter says in 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 18 to 21. Just, just, just a little snapshot of what Peter said in his letter at 1 Peter. Verse 18, chapter 1, 1 Peter. For you know that it was not with perishable things such as silver or gold that you were redeemed from the empty way of life handed down to you by your forefathers. Hear that? The empty way of life handed down to you by your forefathers. But with the precious blood of Christ, the Lamb without blemish or defect, He was chosen before the creation of the world, but was revealed in these last times for your sake. Through Him you believe in God, who raised Him from the dead and glorified Him, and so your faith and hope are in God. Can you you sense the passion there? You know what what Peter was saying was, was, I was there. I saw it. It changed my life. I will never be the same. And I will never forget what Jesus did for me on Easter Sunday morning. Peter was saying, I want to know Christ. And I want you to know Christ too. Peter was saying, I can't get enough of Him. I can't seem to spend enough time with Him. I can't and I won't take one step without Him. I want to know Christ. And then Paul goes on in 
verse, in chapter 3, verse 10. I want to know the power of the resurrection. See, it wasn't easy to follow Christ in the first century. As a matter of fact, it always cost you something. It always cost you something to follow Christ in the first century, up to and including your very life. But those first century followers of Christ, in spite of that, forged ahead anyway. No matter what it meant, no matter what it cost, they did it. They just went forward as if they didn't even care what happened to them in their pursuit of Christ. See, they had experienced firsthand resurrection power. They knew that Jesus was stone cold dead. And yet He rose from the dead and became alive again. They had experienced, they'd seen it with their own eyes, this resurrection power. And they were powerfully drawn to it. See, I want to know Christ. And in their time, in, in their century, that meant something to say that and pursue Him. And they knew they couldn't do it on their own. And so they said, we want to know this, this resurrection power, this, this power from God that raised Jesus Christ from the dead. I want part of that. I want to be part of that. And it was not necessarily just the power of the resurrection, but it was the attitude of the resurrection that, that drew them to it. This, this not my will, but, but yours be done thing. This, this whatever it takes attitude to know Christ. They captured that. It was a realization that there was a resurrection in store for every follower of Jesus Christ. Every single follower of Jesus Christ that, that knew Him and pursued Him and sought Him with all of their heart, soul, mind, and strength. There was a resurrection somewhere in their future. They said, I want to be part of that. I want to, to know the power of His resurrection. Paul went on to write what was in the hearts of those first century brothers and sisters also. He said, I want to know the fellowship of sharing in Christ's sufferings. Perhaps this is not a popular teaching these days. We're pretty much into comfort, I guess. But, but in the first century, see, they were there. They saw it happen. They were part of it. They saw the sufferings of Christ they were right there in the front row and involved in seeing the sufferings of Christ. They saw the end result of the sufferings of Christ. Through it, Christ changed the world. Through it, Christ empowered them to forge ahead. And so they thought in their minds, I'm sure, Christ is our example the Bible tell us, tells us that He is the pattern that we are to pattern our lives after. And they came to learn <clears throat> from first-hand experience that there was a supernatural, hand-of-God type shaping, molding, even recreating that happened through suffering. 
They, they saw it in Jesus and they experienced it also themselves. There, there was something not to avoid in suffering, although who likes it? It's not that we should avoid suffering. It's that in Christ we should almost, you know, it's, it's not almost, it's more than that. We should embrace it almost and say, God, where are you taking me? Where are you leading me? What are you trying to teach me? There was something, maybe it sounds crazy, but there was something about them that said we even want to share in the sufferings of Christ. They said, if that's what it takes for me, because I want to know Christ, I've got this longing in my soul. If it takes suffering, sign me up. Because I want to know Christ. You know, in Russia, they get this. They understand this, suffering. Not sure we do. Suffering, brothers and sisters, is not to be avoided. It's not to be sought. It's not to be, praise God, I'm suffering. It's to be embraced in a way that God can take us from where we are now to where He wants us to be. And all through the centuries all through the history of Christianity, of who Christ is, working in and through the lives of people like you and me, there's been suffering somewhere in the mix. I want to know Christ. Paul then even said, even if it means becoming like Christ in His death. See, see here's a man that's simply saying, I want the whole thing. I, I want to embrace it all. I, I want to know Christ. Father, what does that mean for me to know Christ? Whatever it means, I'm in. See, for, for them, Easter changed everything. It turned weakness into strength. It turned suffering into ultimate comfort. It turned death into life. Easter changed everything. I want to know Christ, they said. Can you blame them? See, they were there. They saw it with their own eyes. They had front row seats. Easter, for them, changed everything. And the excitement pounding in their chest became the norm for their lives, not the exception. It became the norm, not the exception. The, the anticipation that we feel on Easter, the, the excitement that we experience on Easter, it was their norm. And you know what they did? They changed their world. How'd they do it? How did they change their world? With this overwhelming urge, this, this longing to know Christ. 
listen, brothers and sisters, don't be distracted. You know, don't be distracted. We, we live in distracting times. Just focus. You see, I, I want to know Christ. How about you, this one week after Easter? I mean, it's past. We've got a whole other year before we feel the excitement and the anticipation. How about, how about you? Do you want to know Christ? I'm not talking about in the usual way. Maybe, I don't know if that's fair, but I'm not talking about, you know, the shallow way that many people follow Christ, you know, when it's convenient. I'm not talking about that anymore. I'm talking about you and me getting way out of our comfort zone. I'm talking about how blessed I am to see 80-plus guys come on Tuesday morning still. And how, for most of them, that's way out of their comfort zone. See, those are the kinds of things that have to start happening in your life and mine in order for, for us to get from here to there. I want to know Christ. I mean, in, in a passionate, purposeful way. I, I just want to know Christ. I'm longing for Him. Okay, Pastor Chuck, sounds good. Sounds right. You see, Pastor Chuck, back then they saw it happen. And that had to help them. I I think it did. This is a 21st century, Pastor Chuck. How can I long for Christ like that? I wasn't there. Well, guess what? I wasn't either. But we know Christ in the 21st century just like they did in the 1st century. It happens the same way. First of all, we allow Christ to make Easter change everything. The first thing we do is to allow Easter to change everything in our lives. By accepting Christ as our personal Savior. By moving on further through Him and believing That Easter changes everything. And living like it. And embracing Him like never before. Have you accepted Christ as your personal Savior? If not, you have not accepted the beauty of Easter. The first thing we should do in the 21st century, all of us, no matter who we are, where we are in the journey, is to embrace Easter. The second thing they did, and we can do here in the 21st century, is they developed a deep longing for Christ. They they couldn't get away from it. They gathered together in homes and in other places and and prayed and and talked about God and, and, and loved Him together and loved each other. They longed for Him. Did you know that the disciples did way more for the kingdom of God after Jesus ascended into heaven than they did while He was on earth? I mean, not even close. A whole lot more was accomplished for the kingdom of God after Jesus went to heaven. You see, Jesus is still with us like that. And they they longed for Him They longed for Him. You you, you know why? That they changed their world? Because they believed. They believed. I want to know Christ. 
just like way back then, we do that by spending time with Him. Do you spend time with God? I mean, purposeful, on, on purpose time with God? I'm excited about this opportunity that we have coming up in about a month that is another way that we could long for Christ, that we can embrace Christ, that we can move closer to Christ all over the world starting May 21st leading up to the 31st of May, which is the day of Pentecost and the world day of prayer, the global day of prayer. All over the world, in every language imaginable, there are people meeting, there will be people meeting in prayer rooms 24 hours a day for those 10 days leading up to Pentecost. Church board has recently designated a little room over here as our prayer room. Going to hear more about it? But on the 21st, we're going to start. Can we do it? We'll see. We're going to start signing people up and praying 24 hours a day for 10 10 days. Hours, one hour slot. You know what it is? A prayer room is one way to develop a longing for Christ. That's what they did. They developed this longing for Christ. How do I know Christ, Pastor Chuck, like they did? Allow Easter to change everything. Develop a longing for Christ. And finally, serve Him until the day you die. They didn't turn in their Sunday school pins that first century. They served Him till the day they died. No matter what that means, no matter what path that takes you on, we serve God faithfully, powerfully, till the day we die. I want to know Christ. Don't you? I mean, like, like they knew Him. Father, oh Father, fall upon us. May Your Spirit fill this place. May You move us, Lord, to the place where You need us to be. To really know you. Would you help us to get past the usual and step into the supernatural, the, the, the unusual, the amazing, the miraculous? Oh God, would you move us? Oh Father, perhaps there's some here today that have not embraced Easter yet. Haven't invited Jesus Christ, the risen Lord, to come in to their hearts and lives. Lord, I pray that that would happen today. Father, would you also, for some of us, for all of us, develop this longing for you? Oh God, we need it. And yes, Lord, we promise to serve you till we die. I want to know Christ. Will you say that with me? I want to know Christ. 
Let's stand together. Pastor Edgar.